Hello and welcome to this episode of Growth Masterminds. I am so pumped to share the conversation I just had with Tara Kirkpatrick, who's an analyst for Aptopia, and Gregory Wester, who's an SVP, in fact, CMO for Division of Digital Turbine. It's really challenging in the modern mobile app ecosystem to understand who's winning, right? We can see number of installs, right? We can see some revenue, not always, not everything. Many times those can be faulty measurements. It can be easy to game, they can be misleading, they cannot include all data. Aptopia knows this, their job is providing competitive intelligence across the digital ecosystem. Isolated install counts won't do it. They've teamed up with Digital Turbine to do something different. They've released the Bragg Index, version two of the Bragg Index, which offers a new way to look at mobile app growth and offers some new insights, especially in the age of privacy, as to how that might be happening. Enjoy. So welcome Tara Kirkpatrick. She's an analyst for Aptopia and Gregory Wester, SVP for Digital Turbine. Welcome. Good to be here, John. Thank you. Super pumped to have you. Um, before we get into the specifics of what you saw, what you learned, how you did it, all that stuff, contextualize the importance of mobile growth for us in the overall economy. Yeah. So, John, uh, when you last covered the, the Bragg Index report that we're going to discuss today, remember a line about um, how Peloton's downloads correlated to its overall performance and even looking deeper at some of those other performance metrics that we estimate for at Aptopia, like in-app purchase revenue. And the main point to take home here is that like mobile is a key sales and engagement channel, and it's going to um, have this strong correlation with overall company performance. And that's really where we're at in, in the world today. I'm so happy you brought that up, Tara, because I, I tweeted that. Um, I saw the data that Adam had shared, I think in the newsletter or on a blog post or something like that. I tweeted that. I think I actually wrote about that as well in my column at Forbes. And I got so much crap for that. It's like, it's not equivalent. It's not a big deal. It's not relevant. You're looking at different seasons. And I had added some of that contextualization in there, but I felt so validated, even though I like Peloton, not a customer, but I like the company and they crashed, they cratered. I felt very validated there, but I didn't go back to anybody on Twitter and say, see, I told you so, because I'm just not that kind of person. Anything to add, Gregory? I think you're spot on, and Tara, that's a great, great example of, of how, you know, particular companies that are super invested in app technologies, in fact, they would not be a company if it weren't for an app, clearly there's a very linear relationship between their health and their app installs. When you move over to other brands that have existed for, you know, decades, that haven't been reliant upon the application as their core way of engaging with consumers, but have layered that on to kind of deepen where appropriate, then that connection gets a little bit looser. And actually that connection between understanding brand and how important your brand is to the success of your company and that looking at the installs and, and how those two are related was really the genesis of uh, Aptopia and Digital Turbine getting together to try to explore that relationship in and of itself. Love that insight and love that segue. Maybe Tara, kick it off here. You know, Aptopia has data. You've got, I, I don't even know how much data, but you've got data on millions and millions of apps and 
billions, tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions of installs. Why is that not enough? Why do you need more than app install counts? Oh, yeah, it's a great question. It, it was kind of um, my introduction to mobile was that lesson. Um, and just understanding that downloads, uh, it, it's the same lesson that Apple and Google learned back when they decided to redo the App Store rankings. It used to be uh, primarily or maybe 100% about download count. And then they realized that people, apps could buy their way to the top. And especially when we, when we talk about how it correlates to a company's overall financial performance, whether they're mobile first or not, um, downloads as a result of advertising is a really weak measure. But when you look at uh, engagement metrics like daily active users, monthly active users, and those are the ones that are actually paying subscribers. So then it's in-app purchase revenue. All of that growth is what shows you business sustainability. And um, that's that's really what what we like to like lean into to see that full picture of health for for a mobile app. Gregory, you must have an interesting perspective on this because you're with Digital Turbine. Uh, you've got, I think, multiple ad networks. Uh, you've got significant on-device properties as well. So you see the mobile ecosystem from a couple different angles. Yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm old enough to go back decades and decades and decades when <laughs> advertisers... Don't remind me, Gregory. Really, you know, we all watch Mad Men, right? So that was when advertising was, a, was an art, right? And there wasn't much science around trying to see what really worked. And, if you know, there, there are enough famous quotes about advertising, half of advertising work, you just don't know what half it is, right? But that was a generation ago, right? Up until recently, with all of the issues around privacy and tracking, art has gone away practically outside of A-B testing into science. Everything is fully attributed. And you know, down to the very last click or the very last view through what has worked or what hasn't worked. There was less uh, concern at the top of the funnel to understand how that might be impacting things that eventually impact the design that eventually impacts the click. But as science now starts to go away, not because it doesn't work, but because it gets a whole lot harder to understand that last attribution. Understanding, having insight on the full funnel becomes critically important for the, uh, for the advanced marketer. And that's what Tara and, and our team have kind of endeavored to pull together. Uh, old, old, old brand versus performance. Of course, that, that Never not heard that before, real right? dichotomy. Yeah. What's that, Gregory? <laughs> Never heard that before, right? No, exactly. <laughs> it's funny, you know, you mentioned Mad Men and uh, yeah, advertising works best while drunk, right? The three martini watches, <laughs> all that stuff. Wow, new world here. So you built Bragg. Um, Tara, what is Bragg? So Bragg stands for brand relative app growth. So what what we try to do in a sense is, is strip brand away to see what... Um, so that we can look at it as a variable on its own. And then, especially in this second edition, like we're, we're adding it back in to see how it then influences the performance metrics and, and even product innovation. So um, when I say strip away, what I really mean is isolate it because it is like that key attribute that we want to elevate and truly understand because to Greg's point, it, it's been something that People at one time during the art generation accepted that they wouldn't understand. And then everyone got so into the science. And now ever since 
after Apple tracking transparency, we're unable to understand it in the same way as before. So we're trying to help mobile, mobile leaders with that. Yeah, I'll give an example, John. So earlier, Tara, you mentioned Peloton, right? So everyone on this call, everyone watching this will know what Peloton is. Probably not everyone. In fact, no one knows Greg's spin bike app. <laughs> no, so if, not familiar with that one. <laughs> so if we learned that Peloton had a million installs in a period of time, no one would really go, oh, okay, what? But if Greg's spin bike app, who has no brand, no awareness, no interest, delivered a million installs. As Sarah said, you have to normalize the importance of brand. I'm clearly doing something really interesting to app, to app developers. If with no brand, I can deliver that growth. Peloton may or may not be, but if you understand the full funnel, you can really understand people that are executing exceptionally at the bottom of the funnel, but without that lens, on who's really walking into the game with the big swinging guy, like you don't, you don't really know, right? So we try to normalize brand away. So then when we look at who's really executing well, you can take a double click and go, what, what are they doing in the market? And, and Tara and her team worked with our team to really identify some of those strategies that we saw, what we call transcenders, the people who are executing on growth way ahead of their competitors at the same level of brand awareness and brand intent. What I love about this is uh, finding insight about who's amazing at growth because you look at the top lists and it can get boring. Um, so I totally understand, Tara, if you're like bored, okay, we're at Topia, we have all the data, great, wonderful, and it's always the same. <laughs> right? No, it's not always the same, but you know, you see the same names right there. Guess what? Google is leading, huh? Who would have thought, right? <laughs> you know, the, the big brands are leading, but now what you're saying, Gregory, is that those who are doing exceptionally well can get recognized for that. I like that a lot. Talk about this first, second edition of Bragg uh, on a high level, Gregory, what have you learned in this edition? Well, uh, as you mentioned, Sarah mentioned, this is the second full report that we put out. And, and as we were just discussing, the first one, we really tried to focus on on those transcenders, um, identifying those people that were, as we were saying, kind of punching above their weight, John. Uh, we got together and said, okay, some of those transcenders have changed, but we really wanted to, to, to make it clear that if you really had a good lens on whose brand was changing positively, negatively, whose intent was changing positively, negatively, who's what we call app gap, uh, the percent of people that really that know the app but don't understand what the app really does. If you really had an understanding of, of all of those things, you as a, as a marketer might have some data that could be useful to answer kind of what we'll call burning questions on a categorical basis. So we, we worked with uh, at Topia to come up with some of those questions. For example, in the financial app category, right? Everyone wants to be a financial super app, right? If you can be a financial super app, who's really moved? Who's got characteristics of install growth? Who's got characteristics of consumer attitude? Who's got characteristics of engagement? Who's got all these characteristics that would lean them to maybe have a a head start or an advantage coming into this quest for being a financial super app. And so uh, with, with Tara and her team and our team, we kind of explored that and found some interesting things, but the same is true for categories like streaming and QSR and uh, news 
And what did I what did I leave out that we looked at there? Shopping. Shopping. Yeah. Uh -huh. So we had we had topics uh, those interesting kind of topics. Um, call them cocktail topics or call them boardroom topics, right? These are things that the figure we, we figured people were wondering about. So let's try to shed some insight on that. Yeah, I like to call them evolutionary quests. Like it, it just reminded mm. me of, um, I love uh, that. you know, the, the in streaming, the content and consolidation wars. Um, you, you do see some of that language appear in press articles. Like it's just we're getting to a point of there were so many individual streamers, but it looks like it makes sense to consolidate now because that's easier on the consumer. Like who is positioned to win? And, and you really do need um, brand breaks down into a number of qualities, which which Greg and his team uh, delineated. And then, as I mentioned at, at the top of this, um, performance breaks down into more than installs and that whole picture of health. So. For this edition of the report, we, we got to include um, some more in, intelligence that Aptopia has access to, things like product features and our X-ray um, intelligence and review intel to, to help with consumer sentiment, um, in addition to the other survey data that, that we were collecting. So uh, it's, it's really a thorough way to look at and analyze these, um, these quests that these apps are, are pursuing to, to stay at the top of the leaderboard. Evolutionary quests. Cool. I'm adding that to my vocabulary here. Wonderful. We didn't, we didn't put that into the report, but we did have Sarah. I, I love that. I'm growing legs. I had a tail before. I'm crawling out of the slime. Here we go. I'm evolving into a more intelligent person. That's great. Gregory brought, brought up fintech. And he brought up becoming a super app, right? The app that can send money and lend money and, and invest money and other things like that. Tara, what did you learn about fintech apps in the Brag 2 Index? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So I, I thought it was interesting to see that um, PayPal uh, was very well positioned. When we looked at all the brand qualities and performance qualities, to see PayPal and, and even Chase Bank um, rise to the top of, of having that like staying power with consumers, I think surprised me and uh, perhaps it's a generational thing, but you know, um, ben <laughs> Venmo. Was Where's Venmo? <laughs> Venmo was really relevant and Venmo did not make the list. So it's those kind of, and you know, I now since I work in this industry, I, I do understand why Venmo is not, um, I have some some ideas about why Venmo wouldn't make the list, but uh, I think to um, even to other mobile leaders that aren't uh, deep in the data every single day, um, that would be one of those things that would give a second look to to better understand. And financial apps, um, financial institution apps, I don't think they don't tout in press releases that they're building a super app. But so it's interesting to see that they uh, have the capability, they've kept up on some level of um, product innovation to, to be engaging. And, um, you know, I, I think someone at a bank would be really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I discovered this generational gap just recently when a team that I'm on, uh, there was like some people, somebody had a baby and we were all going to donate some money. And I had zero of the apps that were being used to assemble the money. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm with Gregory here. It's been a couple decades. Sorry about that. Were there any besides Venmo? I don't even remember the names. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. It was like me trying to identify pop stars or current music sensations or whatever. It's like, who's that? Where's they, where are they from? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm out of there. Back on, on the finance, you know, what I found really interesting in that category, first, first peer to peer certainly dominated on a couple of the dimensions that uh, we collectively measured. Um, brand, we, we developed a metric called brand power which was a combination of a variety of metrics, including the size of your funnel, but also what people are saying, <clears throat> what people are saying about you and thinking about you and, and kind of what we call the like versus dislike ratio. So kind of a word of mouth kind of um, organic um, metric. They, they really, really did well, some better than others as Tara was alluding to. But the other metric Tara that I was really fascinated from your data was the engagement data. And to see such disparity, <clears throat> pardon me, between, you know, the Aptopia engagement metrics and how often consumers engage with, say, a PayPal versus a Zelle. Mm -hmm. right? Same thing, but very, very different. And, and if you're trying to upsize and, and upsell what you offer to people, having more touch points and more touches and to, to woo people over to that next portfolio product is monumental in the ability to grow. So there's some core kind of momentum that a lot of these companies were kind of taking in that I, I actually found was very surprising. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's like cross-selling is what financial institutions and fintech, um, but particularly FIs, that's what they were all about um, when <laughs> I started my career in fintech. So that was just like coming back to me, but um, yeah, and, and I, I, I bet, you know, as we go through the other industries, it really is all about getting people back to the app to offer them something else um, or, or doing one thing really well. And uh, yeah, so that definitely was interesting to see. Let's turn to streaming, uh, Gregory, because that's an... That's a really hot category that has become super competitive. The Emmys were just literally last night. HBO took it away. Netflix got a bunch of them as well. Apple TV got a bunch of them. And it struck me. I didn't do the math. It struck me. But I saw NBC and ABC, and they had a fraction of the Emmys that the streaming services has. It's telling us where the investment is going right now and where the people are going. But this is a crazy competitive space. What did you learn about that space? You know, this is another one of those uh, evolutionary journeys that I think will be driven by some of the optics that we that we that we saw. Uh, you know, in in this space, I think that engagement uh, factor that Aptopia has was really interesting. You see the free services driving massive, massive engagement, and and Netflix crushing it over over others. And this is, I think, you can go back further in time than than I've looked at here, but. I think that's been a persistent uh, factor seeing Netflix driving massive engagement, much higher than, say, a Disney or a HBO Max or something like that. So that was one thing that was really surprising. The second thing that I thought was really surprising 
was the dominant brand. So if you looked at the top tier of providers and their overall brand strength, as I described before, the big YouTube, Prime Video, Netflix were way, way above the other competitors. And then the third thing I'll say is anime drives a lot of fandom. So you see the transcenders, right? The, these are the guys that uh, don't have necessarily a wide a household name, but a huge fan base. And relative to their overall awareness, they drive massive adoption. And the guys that are really doing well in there, like Tubi, I think Funimation, I think are the two, they, they quarter over quarter are driving great growth off of smaller brands. I can't, uh, oh man, um, it, it's just amazing. Uh, I know a person, I will not mention the name, um, who I think there's 400 episodes of this, to me, obscure Japanese anime series that he has watched twice. <laughs> that is a commitment. I mean, this is a year of your life or what? what is this exactly? But the people who are fans there, holy mother, they are engaged. They are down the funnel. So there's a lot more categories in here. There's fast food, there's retail, there's a couple others as well. People can go to the report. It'd be available tomorrow. I'm assuming on both your websites, uh, there's a lot that's in there. Let's talk about what this methodology that you guys have used, that you've adopted here, means for growth leaders. What's the key takeaway here for mobile growth leaders? Maybe you kick it off, Tara. It's opening up to that it's holistic um, and, and not. I, I think that there still is some education uh, to be had around um, how to measure brand, certainly. And and uh personally have learned a lot from, from Digital Turbine on, on the different qualities that go into marketing um, on mobile. And then the, the full view of performance metrics and the engagement index that we've been speaking to is DAU divided by MAU. So it gives you a, a good um, picture of, of how often people are using the app. Um, and again, just even on review intelligence and, and taking that full picture in. Um, not to say that teams aren't considering that, but I think there can be a bit of a traditional focus towards downloads and then one or the other DAU and MAU. And, and there's just some more um, factors when you're, when you're charting like a long-term trajectory and being sustainable that, um, that people could, could study. I know uh, John, I learned the word incrementality from you. So I don't know if that makes sense for what you've studied and talked to people um, in the industry about that. But uh, that's what comes to mind when, when I look at this report and how it could be helpful. And, and I love that term there, Tara, incrementality, right? Incrementality these days, I think, is going to take on a, a broader meaning. meaning. Um, I'll toss out a new term, brand incrementality. That's kind of what we're looking at right? Not just looking at the very bottom of the funnel to see what's moving the growth, what incremental spend on a UA channel or what incremental methodology and on UA, but at the top of the funnel, what incremental brand efforts better transition into growth. One of the, going back to the financial sector, one of the interesting things that we wanted to look at with the brag data was, you know, back in the, the winter, uh, we had a Super Bowl, and in the Super Bowl, we saw a bunch of crypto ads, 
And we saw notably, and uh, as attributed with various awards, one of the best TV ads you've seen in a long time with Coinbase. And everyone at my party was like, what's that? And everybody pulled out their phone and everybody looked at the QR code. And, you know, there were debates and arguments. Was that effective? Was that not effective? Well, you also had crypto with Matt Damon and no one remembered what that was even for. It was just Matt Damon doing some weird walk through something talking about crypto. So looking at the brag data, you actually see that while, while the overall category kind of crashed, if you look at some of the brand fundamentals, Coinbase is coming out better, right, than, than crypto, right? Now, is that totally associated with the different Super Bowl commercials? Probably not. Is it totally not related? Totally not. Somewhere in between there. But the endeavor is to really understand that full funnel with those types of issues, right? If I were the CMO and I spent a gazillion dollars on a campaign that doesn't necessarily create installs the next day, I'd want to understand, did it impact my brand? Did it in increase awareness? Does it better position me to be a super app? And what might I do the next time around? And that's the other part of what Bragg has done, that not only do I identify the guys that are doing well, but we peel the onion back and say, well, what did they actually do? And is there a theme? So the other thing that Bragg brings to the market is a methodology to identify like Shein and the fashion sense using influencers and doing very neat promotions lifting brand and driving subsequent growth much faster than others in their categories. It's a lens on, ident on identifying those uh, successful tactics. You know, you've got an interesting perspective because Digital Turbine has the brand component with Ad Colony. You've got lots of performance components as well. Um, so you've got an interesting perspective there. But what comes to mind after what you said is, I'm not sure today's mobile growth team, user acquisition team is super well set up to, I don't want to say exist, <laughs> to optimize growth in a world that is transitioning a little bit away from the science that you mentioned and towards art that you mentioned and towards this, hey, brand matters. But that means a ton, right? I mean, first of all, you, you've got the, the brand association of that, of that crypto, uh, sorry, Coinbase ad but you got the performance component on traditional TV of doing a QR code. What a neat little marriage there. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the way that uh, UA teams are organized, the folks that you hire, the cadence with which you work with the other aspects of your marketing organization, like the creative team and the strategy team, all of this changes as identification and attribution changes, right? And to the extent that it doesn't, uh, I think you were spot on when you said the UA teams you know, aren't built right at all, right? Because it, it really has to evolve. What we've seen, John, actually on this is uh, retail, um, like apparel retailers in particular, D2C brands, Levi, Nike, um, Gap even, and then uh, food and drink, QSR. Um, your Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, people that are were for decades doing traditional advertising, they've adapted pretty well. And like when we did our Aptopia's annual report in the beginning of the year, those industries were continuing to grow. And when we met with Digital Turbine to look at Bragg, that was that was one of the de denominators that went down was like they they knew 
how to do contextual advertising and then how to tie it into the team that is um, running mobile and, and blend that art and science. So uh, those are, they have the advantage, I guess, over mobile first in, in this category of mobile. And, and we want to help people better understand that in, in all the categories. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, UA is changing. <laughs> what, what's, what else is new? <laughs> it's pretty interesting because mobile is a world, mobile ecosystems world that is constantly changing. That's been accelerated in the past couple of years with app tracking transparency, as you mentioned, Tara, and everything that we're seeing happen out there right now. I want to thank both of you for coming, for sharing what you're doing, what you're looking at, and also um, not just the insights from the report itself, but the insights in terms of how that's changing mobile marketing. Thank you so much for taking this time. Thank you, John. It, John.